So we've had several listeners reach out and ask for tips on how to start a podcast. When we started this journey over a year ago, finding a way to record and produce the podcast was at the top of our to-do list. Enter Zencaster, the ultimate web-based podcasting solution that allows you to record, produce, and publish studio-quality content all from one dashboard. It's now super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. Log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. Record studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. Feel a sense of zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection's unstable. Have you ever worried what you sound like? Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It can automatically remove those ums and ahs in your recording, as well as those awkward pauses in conversation too. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with a click of a button. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use our code BTMM30 and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story and happy podcasting. Hi guys, welcome back to Book Talk, the podcast where we talk about all your favorite books from Book Talk, Bookstagram, any romanticy. I believe that's the genre we've finally singled down on. But anytime you're getting a good book, we want to talk about it. I'm Caitlin, joined by my hosts, Bridget and Hilda. Hi. So, you just called us Book Talk. I did. Yeah, you did say our full name. <laughs> oh, my bad. Uh, welcome back to Book Talk Made Me. That is our formal, formal government name. Book I talk would love made me to take credit for that entire hashtag. <laughs> uh, but today we're talking about a very good book, which is one of our favorites. We covered it extensively, and that is Akatar. But it's not just Akatar because we're talking all of the SJM universe. So we're talking Akatar, Throne of Glass, and Crescent City. So right off the bat, these are some unhinged theories, and I want to warn you that if you have not read any of those three books. So remember, the Court of Thrones and Roses series, Crescent City, books one and two, two specifically, and Throne of Glass, I would say come back, come back later when you've read, what is it, all like 12, 13 books? All 17,542 17. pages. When you've crushed that, then come back to us because it is too early for you, my friend, to be poking around up in here for some Wait, unhinged theories. Can we just take a moment also, and just like, I made celebrate us? And celebrate everybody who has made it this far in the journey. Like if you have read Throne of Glass, Akatar, and Crescent City, that's a shit ton of books. Like, wow. It's a shit ton of pages when you think about it. a lot of books. That is three series. So I'm like, I'm trying to do the math. math. (laughs) How many books are in Throne of Glass? Is it eight? I'm not including the Assassin's Blade because you don't have to read that. Eight? Is it six? Is it seven? I think it is seven. Hold on. Looking it up real fast. There's seven. Seven plus two plus four, because I'm not counting Frosted Starlight. Nine. So 13. That's 13 bucks. Woo, buddy. It's a lot of books. And uh, as Bridget said, celebrations to all of us for making it through all of those. Not that they were terrible, but they're just a great series. It's a lot of them to cover. Right. And it's not like they're small books to easy no. to get through. They are chunky and they take a while. They're thick, thick mamas. I'm trying, just remembering my experience with Crescent City 1. 
that you read in like 24 hours or something absolutely yeah. ridiculous. That was tough. Meanwhile, it took me 24 months <laughs> just to get through the first three chapters. You are the worst. So glad you you finally joined us. So we could do mass first. Yes. yes, you're welcome. Yay! Finally join the bandwagon. So we've covered unhinged theories, but because Bridget and some of our listeners had not listened to the full Crescent City, there's some pretty significant shifts that happen at the end of that book that is crucial for you to know on your SJM universe. Again, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. Tread no further. So our previous episode on unhinged theories only focused on Akatar. Now, even reading those, some of them I'm like, I know this cannot be true. Some of them, but Bridget didn't know. So, you know, maybe some of you didn't know the difference. Yeah, thanks, guys. I feel like a fool. <laughs> a fool. But charade. Um, no, never. But in this, we are covering se- uh, theories throughout all three books because now we know they're all interconnected in some way, shape, or form. We know Bryce travels to Perinthia and meets Reese and the gang, and it is less yet to be seen if our girl, Aelin Galthinius Whitehorn? No. Wait, no. Aelin Whitehorn Galthinius? I just put a meme on our story, which you're not going to be able to see anymore. But it was basically, why doesn't why doesn't Reese have a last name? Because Sarah gave them all to Aelin, and it was like Aelin, <laughs> Ash River, Galathinius, something, Whitehorn. Yeah. I'm not sure the order of her name. Yeah, it's Whitehorn. Wait, Thorn, hold on. She's I right she's our fire breathing bitch queen. Aelin Ash River Whitethorn Galathinius. Yes. Now that's that's a mouthful. That's a badass move. Taking your husband's last name, your mate's last name, but putting it as like your second to last name. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I like her. I like her style. Um, so it is yet to be seen if we will get Aelin. I don't think it's an if. I think it's a when, personally. And now I'm sure as if anyone's been on TikTok, because everyone's minds were blown by this revelation that these series are not just Easter egged together, where there's a f- person flying through the sky and Reese, the most beautiful human, lifts up his hand to stop Aelin from shooting across the sky. That was an Easter egg. This is a confirmed crossover mass verse universe expansion. And as one can imagine, there are a lot of theories now, Hilda so and I said, when we went back many. to reread these books, knowing what we know now, you see all the little interconnections and the webs that have started to be weaved throughout. And TikTok is rife, rife? rife. TikTok, yeah. Yeah. Right? Okay. They're TikTok. all interconnected like an Arkesian amulet. Oh, look at that. Wow, that was that was beautiful. <laughs> like, look you at know, us. Nerd alerts. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes I can have moments that are worthy. Is the writer in you coming out? Yeah, sometimes I'm worthy of my English degree. Sometimes. (laughs) Just sometimes. Not all the times. Uh, Yeah, so we're going to be covering all these theories that I'm sure most of you have seen on TikTok in some way, shape, or form. I, Caitlin, have compiled some of the ones I've been saving for many months for us to go over. And I'm going to read them to Hilda and Bridget, who don't know the theories I'm going to be mentioning. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to see, does this hold water? Does this make sense? And maybe you have thoughts and feelings too. Yeah. I was going to say, not going to lie. I got so used to just like dodging all the fan theories from when I didn't read Crescent City that I have not looked at anything. And even Ooh. when you guys still send them in the group chat now that I have read it, I still don't fully watch it. I'm just like, oh, topic. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so this should be great. This should be some true blind reactions here. Are you serious? You are disciplined. <laughs> She's disciplined. I am so nosy. <laughs> I am so nosy. Well, it was like two years of her dodging me. Well, maybe just Yeah, I just got used to it. I'm just like, eh. 
I don't need to see it. I'll just wait and read it. Just wait till That's Kate why tells I also don't care it. for like bonus chapters or like the first couple chapters of a new book when you like pre-order or something. I'm just like, I'll get there when I get there. True. Okay. It's like too much of a teaser. Yeah. Because then I want to read that book versus the book that I'm currently reading. That's tough. It's tough. But before we get into these theories, we do have some shout outs we'd love to give to our friends over on Spotify. So first one is to Paige B. She and these are all uh, mostly there's some fourth wings. There's some Crescent Cities here. But giving a shout out to Paige B. She agreed with us that she doesn't think General Sorengale knows about Brennan, but she saw a theory that she killed her husband. Please send us that theory. Yeah, no, I said that as well. Yeah. You guys were like, what? No. Yeah, Bridget did. Yeah, Bridget did. You said said you thought she killed him. I said, I think. You think she's she's working for the rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and you think, I don't know if it was you or maybe this just came up afterwards that you think maybe he's still alive, but then that's too many people killing. You said that you thought he was still alive. And I was like, yeah, that's too convenient. I think that was more like a, okay, if we're going in the nice, light, and fun route, okay. But I'm still for, like, she killed her husband. I I like that. Or poisoned him slowly. Ooh, yeah. Oh. Because he did start having, like, a heart thing. And it came out of nowhere. And he was super anxious after the brother died. So I'm like... That's Maybe she was watching so many true crime podcasts or listening, <laughs> watch too many like episodes of Dateline. Was like, oh, well, Violet is her daughter. That's true. That's true. A poisoner. Yeah, uh, I don't anywho. think she's that evil. So send us that theory page. I'd love to see it. Like, I'm definitely like someone has to be super evil. Like, let's do this. Maybe yeah, someone villain has era. to be. Yeah. Oh, you know, that's because of the energies. The stars and the moon. If you did yes. not know by now, Hilda. I forgot what I read. Our local astrologer. I forgot what I read. Was it yesterday, today, I, earlier this week? And it was like all of the mutable signs are entering their villain era. era. And I was like, oh, hmm. I was like, yes. Game on. I don't know if that's me, but. I support you all in your villain. Is that us, Hilda? Yeah, because Bridge, your your sun and rising are mutable. What does My, mutable mean? It has to do with like if it's immutable, it's a fixed, or it's a cardinal sign. Yeah. You know, I ha- as I'm pulling up what Hilda told us our astrology signs are because I do not remember our big six. Okay, so like maybe this should be our Spotify question for the day. Should we have a full woo woo podcast mini session? <laughs> Yeah. Are you into our level of woo-woo-ness? We call the woo-woo because it's, you know. Because look, we're woo girls and we'll hype you up, but we're also like woo-woo girls. Yeah. And we're like woo. We can be woo-wee. We can be woo-wee. Yeah. You want to talk uh, spirit guides, crystals, astrology? From what I can determine based on what Elda tells me almost every single week, it's the universe. It's not me. Correct. It's the energies. I, it's the energies. And how you you're are about to hit the fan to respond to them. How you're you are a perfect to to queen, <laughs> Bridget. It is everyone else who is not. <laughs> I mean, I, I completely agree. Of course. I agree with you as another perfect queen. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. So page B, please send us a theory. We want to dive into that more. Also want to thank Sparkle Mom, also on Spotify. She thinks that General Sorengale does know about the rebellion and is like, hey, Mitch, from... The Hunger Games. There we go. I was like, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, And she wants Violet to lead the rebellion. I like this one. I think she's trying to do it by any means necessary. Mm -hmm. Is my thought. Also, Emma 
S on Spotify. She thinks she absolutely knows and made up the story about his death because he joined the rebellion. Ah, similar, similar thoughts, Emma. Seems like those are the three main ones that are going around. Yeah. Similar trains of thought. Huh. Yeah. Two for her being good. One for her being in her villain era. So we'll... We'll see. Also want to give a shout out to Mariah L. Bridget, you got another yes! vote for Danica. Yes, girl. Bridget that's is the not way alone. to say it. I will die by so, that. That's two people that we know. Out two of is better than one. Two like, out of millions. My little lonely island in the middle of the ocean just have just got a new member. So we're a party of two. Thank you very much. Love that. Love that journey for you guys. Better than pity party of one. <laughs> I mean, alone where wolf gets lonely, guys. That's true. Oh, a wolf needs its pack. Yeah. Alone wolf gets lonely. I like that one. Uh, coming to you on Book Talk Maybe merch soon. <laughs> right after emotional blue balls. Fuck also, that guy. <laughs> of course, obviously. <laughs> Last shout out is to Toria on Spotify. Uh, she thought Ianthe's death was perfect in Akawar because the Weaver is obsessed with her looks, just like Ianthe is. I did see this on Spotify when I was listening to the episode, and I have to say, it it did make me reevaluate my stance, and I appreciate it more now. Because before mm-hmm. I was like, I wish she had died a different death or by her hands exactly versus the Weaver, but I appreciate this. It's like poetic justice. Yeah, it is. It's yes, very poetic. Yes, it's poetic justice. I'll take it. So thank you all for all of you guys for interacting with us on Spotify. Again, we put a question up there almost every time we drop an episode and we'd love to hear from you guys and we'll talk about it on air like we did just now. Also want to give a quick shout out to anyone who has left us a rating and review. We see you. We love you. And we'll give you a shout out next time. So this is your gentle reminder to go ahead, pop on over to Apple app podcasts, drop us a five-star review if you feel so inclined and help us grow our following so we can mine find more woo-woo but woo, girls that are as excited <laughs> about these books as we are. Remember, everyone's Leo Moon needs validation. Yes. I.E. I am everyone. <laughs> but that. you know, you say it so often, even I'm just saying, I'm like, my Leo Moon needs validation. You're like, Bridget, you don't have a Leo Moon. I was like, I do now. It's Bridget, the collectively. <laughs> aren't you a Pisces Moon? Go look this up. I'm a Moon Moon girl. I don't know. <laughs> I got to go back to the notes. You asked me a question. I know. Like, I think I'm a Sagittarius Moon. There we go. What this is I? why we're like the same person because I'm like a Sag rising. Also, we're Gemini, so. Mm-hmm. I'm a Virgo moon. I, look I say all these things like I know what I'm talking about, but I still don't. I just know I'm a Gemini and that's why I am the way I am. Yeah, I have to like I cannot internalize any of this information. I have to look it up every time and then look up what it means. Like you would think by my hundredth time trying to look this up, I would remember something. But I don't. Oh, girl. You know, every single time Hilda brings it up, I still have to go into – my notes app, search astrology, and then look up the moons that Hilda has told me 600 times what I am. So I just saved it in my notes. Saved in my notes. This is why I made our cheat sheet. I know. Thank you for that. It's <laughs> Well, it's a center. cheat sheet for the cheat sheet that you gave me. It's true. When you start right. having your birth charts and explanations on hand, you're like, Bridget, this yeah. is what this means. I'm just going to come to Hilda for a reading on my life choices. <laughs> right? All right. So- oh, maybe that's how we'll do um, fundraising for the podcast. <laughs> readings by hilda <laughs> maybe you'll get a book recommendation out of it who knows what maybe. your problems will say you know what? yeah the world what is the energy telling us is gonna happen if you know uh, please tell us call out and read books yep <laughs> i'm sick <laughs> <laughs> Boo, you book or oh 
we're getting laser. We're going book shopping. All right, guys. Well, let's get into some unhinged theories. Let's do it. And we'll see see what you think. All right. So this first one comes to us from Marie B zero eight zero three on TikTok. And this one is primarily some crossovers between Crescent City and Akatar. So the theory is, is Fury the mercenary that Feyre meets in the village? Now here's some evidence. This creator highlighted passages in the book. Dark hair shorn to her chin, black eyes, interesting eyes, not just one shade, but many, with an accent I've never heard before. Fury is also described as a mercenary with a license to kill in many countries in Crescent City. So, if you remember, because I remember this, when we covered Akatar, when we covered this first part, I was like, this mercenary feels important. I don't know who Mm -hmm. she is. I don't know why we're meeting her. I just get the feels from my woo-woo that she's important. So, what do we think? Do you think that's right? I 100% believe this. So the first time I read the theory, I was like, oh, that's interesting. But Fury is supposed to be, I guess, a slight like Amran. And it goes later on to explain, I think, this theory. I think I sent this one to you. Maybe. Maybe. Half of them you sent to me, I'm sure. You You do. I (laughs) spammed you with so many ideas. But then the mercenary that Farah meets at the beginning of Akatar is apparently like very large and yes so I originally thought yes the fury the fury the mercenary is fury that like that's why this makes sense that this is an important person that we meet and she plays an important role on pushing Farah on her journey now on the flip side and to Hilda's point another theory comes to us from J-L-E-C reads these are all on TikTok so I'm not going to keep saying it. These are all on TikTok. You can look them up and we'll drop the creator's notes in the show notes so everyone can go find them as well. Now, on the theory and the flip side, this person thinks that the mercenary is actually Alid and Lorcan's daughter from Throne of Glass. What? Because the mercenary is described as a giant of a woman, one check for Lorcan, with dark hair and pale features like Alid. I keep wanting to call her a lead, but I know it's L. No, it's LD. It no. is a lead. Oh, I'm all mixed up. A lead. Okay. A lead with granite hewn features, which is the same phrase used to describe Lorcan. Now, I don't know that I care about Lorcan and Alid's daughter. So I don't know that I believe this one. But I, mean, I, it does say that she's a giant of a woman and that's not Fury. So I don't know. But when you say the person is a giant of a woman, are we considering the fact that she's some sort of fae or some sort of other being compared to a human? Don't they look a little bigger? I was picturing like a like a big NBA player mm-hmm. compared to a mere cheerleader. Like the Amazon, the Amazonians from Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. You know how they're all athletic. Right. Warrior. Okay. Interesting. Like, I saw a TikTok. You need to be strong to pull a a bow and arrow, apparently. Yeah. But also, that's what Fairy can do with her gun, her her current size. Yeah. Um, I saw a TikTok that said, maybe you guys saw the same one, because I probably saw it from what you sent me, where what um, the mercenary was explaining about how she comes from a land where, you know, people within the village were wiped out like an entire pack or something. And it was in reference to Danica, Danica and her wolves. And mm. so it must have been immediately after she passed away. That's where she went to Perintian as a mercenary to do whatever she was going. Cause you know, she like disappeared after Yes, I did see that one. I think we must have all shared it around. I did see that one. And that one is, again, supporting the Fury is the mercenary theory because – and I think it had to do with, like, the 
the shortness of her hair, I think is what they called to. Like that lined up with the timeline from Danica's death to us seeing Fury later with short hair, assuming she's been gone for forever. And she went over to Perinthia to explore. Yeah, so I think that theory also had a sidebar about Fury, since we don't know what she is, potentially being a shapeshifter too, which is why she can appear slight of build in Crescent City, but then kind of barbarian-like. I think I believe the shapeshifter vibe more than I believe a lead in Lorcan's daughter. Yeah, I think it's her. I mean, we'll find out, hopefully. Well, we'll eventually when I'm 60. (laughs) Hopefully by January 20th, right? That's the January January 30th, 2024 is not that far away. You're assuming we're going to get all these answers in the next book, which we're not. I'm assuming we get a chunk. Mm, Yeah. Decent chunk. Okay, let's bring us to our next one. Now, this one comes from Tess Galathinius. Very famous last name. You come from a very noble family. This is your Akatar Throne of Glass crossover. So the theory is that Vlag have been in Perinthia before. Now, we know that in... Now, please correct me in this name because I'm not sure if I typed it right. Is it Aurelia? Vlag? Is it Vlag or Volg? I thought it was Vlag. I think I've been saying it as Vlag as well, but I think it's spelled V-A-L-G. Yes. Now, remember, my notes kept autocorrecting from Vlag to Flag. So, (laughs) like, correct, you know. The Valg. Valg. There we it's go. The Valg. Okay. My lord. Notes doing my dirty. And okay. um, her defense, though, I kind of like flag better. I, I don't know. It makes them seem like oh, it's just a flag. <laughs> it makes them seem like gringier. It makes me An think of Vlad. Valg. Of yeah. like Vlad the Impaler. Mm-hmm. So still evil. All right. So we know that in Aurelia. What's Aurelia? I think that's where they that's the place they live in Throne of Glass. I thought that was Terrison. That's that's where Aelin wants to like that's her territory. Her kingdom? Okay. Um Rifthold is the capital of Ad Arlen. Adderlin? Ardalin? Ad Arlen? A D A R L A N. How do you spell Aurelia? Hold on, I'm getting it up in the, the door. Okay. I have it as E R I L E A. E what R I L E A Irelia. Oh, Irelia is the, the continent. World. And within the continent there is Ad Adarlin. Uh okay, so Irelia is correct? Irelia? Yeah, it's their continent yes. slash okay. world or whatever. Their world. Okay. So the theory is have the Valg been in Perinthia? We know that in Irelia the Valg bred with the f- the Fae. My God, sorry. My autocorrect is real rough. It's the Vlag red with the, the Far. The Far. Okay. <laughs> the Far. That the Valg bred with the Fae and created the witches. The witches are not Fae or Valg, but something in between. They can be traced back to the Valg by their black and gold freckled eyes in the Black Beak clan. <laughs> That's a lot of bees. Okay. Okay. So their eyes. Speckled. That's where they get their heritage from the Valg. Uh, the black is more typical of a Valg, but the gold is Erwin, and as we know, he likes to pre- appear with gold eyes. So, who in Perinthian are not quite Fae, but someone in between? The Irelians. Prisoners. Just like the witches in Throne of Glass. They also Wait. have... Who? I'm sorry, I got lost. Alright, so who, who in, in Perinthian... Printhi- 
Uin Prithian is is also not Fey, but something else. The Illyrians. The Illyrians. Okay. I heard you say something else, and I was like, I, I thought wrong? she was going with the prisoners because I was like, the people in the prison are not. I know because you're like the prisoners. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was like, who? <laughs> the Illyrians. I'm saying that right, right? Illyrians. Illyrians. My God. <laughs> I'm correct. Okay. Who and Printhian are not quite Fey, but something else in between? The Irelians. Illyrians. Illyrians. <laughs> okay. The Illyrians. Just like the witches in Throne of Glass. They also have leather wings, something creatures created by the Valg in Throne of Glass had. But one powerful Illyrian does not have golden black eyes. That's her boy, Reese. Mm-hmm. It's believed that the Illyrians are like the witches, created by breeding with the Fae and the Valg, and they believe Reese is a direct descendant of the Valg queen or king with similar looks, hint, hint, Maeve. Maeve. And has similar abilities. So could this also be the case for Rune in Crescent City? Hmm. So did they breed... Are these fey half-bred Illyrians with half-bred Valg and just like the witches? Possibly. Maybe. Okay. That's a brutal I, one to read. I will entertain this theory. <laughs> Bridget's like, hmm. You I think it makes sense. Me. I think it makes sense with the Illyrians because they are different than all the other fey. They have those really notable wings and I just I don't know makes sense to me (laughs) I have no other evidence the only thing is you know one of the characteristics that is very valg is the black blood I was just about to ask what color blood do they have I think the witches still have black blood I think so but the Illyrians don't I feel like that would have been called out at some point exactly so that's why I'm pretty sure the witches bleed black. I think you're right. I, I, I wish I could have found it because I think there was another one that had the supporting the Aurelians are also part Valg. I think I've seen another theory that does support this Aurelian part Vlag. Oh my God. Aurelian part Valg theory. I just couldn't find it with enough supporting evidence that was better than this. So if it's out there, please send it our way. I'd love to to deep dive into it. Maybe we'll get into it. Unhinged Theories Part 2. So this is, I think, is a maybe is what I'm getting from the faces in the group. I'm trying to, like, mentally figure out, like, when I was reading Akatar, there were some key things that they had mentioned about the Illyrians where I was like, ooh, this seems like an Easter egg for future things about how long their kind have been there. And then also the fact that the people under the mountain were the original habitant. Inhabitants. Inhabitants. I was about to say cohabitants. Inhabitants of that court area. Yeah. Before they got sent underneath the mountain. Well, and there is a theory, another theory I have later. It doesn't specifically mention this, but it does talk about the Daglin. And that was this group. We don't really know too much about them, but that's who the Fae originally rebelled against. Mm Mm-hmm. So while the theory I'm going to read a little bit later doesn't specifically talk about that, I have – that's what it was. I have seen other theories where people are speculating that the Daglin are what the people of Perinthia called the Asteri. The Valg. The Valg. 
Yes, they're all the same name depending on what book you read. Same creature, different iteration in each book, different name. So we'll we'll see if that so pans the, out. The Valg is the Asteri. The Valg, the Asteri, the Daglin are all the same according to this theory that's okay. running around. Yep. Kind of like how you have in modern day religions where you have very similar deities that do similar things, but mm-hmm. they all have different names. So that's 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 that one. The next one comes to us from Rosebud Mode. She admits that she picked this up from someone else. It was in a Discord, and she thought it was important enough to talk about. So she is in Rosebud's realm is where she picked this up from. That's the Discord. So in you guys would love this one, I think. <laughs> Uh, in Crescent City 2, when Bryce and Hunt are working out at the gym, aka swamp ass time, because oh, I merely just perked up. What? <laughs> She's like, say what? Okay, do, don't worry. It's not about any of the sexy time that happens there. But Boo. Hunt is listening to an audiobook about Vorin Tritus. Now, if you Google Vorin Tritus, this actually brings up a book called Tritus of Vorgan. This tells the tale of a man whose planet was attacked by monsters looking to feed and all the people on the planet, except Tritus, are murdered. And he follows them from another world to avenge his home planet. Now, does that sound familiar to other situations we have afoot? Does that not sound like our boy Tritus? Was the lone survivor of an Asteri planet and is now coming back to save Avengers people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the theory is, is this foreshadowing of Hunt's story? Is he going to be the Tritus that saves people? Is he also from another planet? Because, because we don't know what he is. Yeah, because he doesn't. Who tells him? Somebody tells him he doesn't smell the yes. way that other angels do it's Mordok who tells him that and i think he's the only angel that wields lightning that has that wields lightning but also has gray wings when all the other angels it's either white or black so yeah i think we talked about that so he is something other we just don't know what it is so is he of that planet is he from another planet is he going along the, the same path the prince of hell is one of them i think it was Adis was Talking, I think, to Bryce's old boss, and was talking about to how Jessica. the to Jessica how the dad uh, his father would be proud uh-huh. of him. So, and we know those two like are out of this world or out of their world, I guess to say. Well, don't you worry, because I got theories on this too that we're going to get to. So that's an interesting one. I think maybe if if that's true, I love that SJM found this random obscure book and was like. I'm going to give it a little shout out in my big bestseller here. I love that somebody Googled that name and came across that information. Like that's a major. It's like Nancy Drew level, like crack in the case theories, you know? Honestly, some of these TikTok accounts, they're wild, like whiteboard wild. Like, do you have those theories up on your whiteboard year round? Are you constantly thinking about this? Do you eat, sleep and dream? mass first i love them for it i could not mm-hmm. but i love them for for going through and di- diving deep and telling me what it is yeah like i have obsessions but they're very surface level compared <laughs> to what these people do like, i think if researchers if all of these books were out when i started my journey i would have been just as bad 
because you guys know like when I become obsessed, I'm like obsessive and I deep dive. Like when I was going through my From Blood and Ash thing when we first started the podcast and I was taking those crazy ass notes and I had like Venn diagrams of what type of like God was this. Okay, but also Demigod. we needed it for that book. We it's still it. not 100% clear. But if all of those books were out at the same time, I would have probably gone down that loophole in the Bridget you know today. You would not know because I would not have hit that like spicy smutty corner of TikTok and just like downhill from there. <laughs> You know, the spicy smutty corner is a good one to be in. It's hey, been here. You can't be stressed out or have anxiety because you're constantly living a high from spicy books. Join us. We have pussy jokes over here. <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> oh, God. That was that's great. Thank you for that, Hilda. You're welcome. All right. This next theory comes to us again from Tess Galathinius. And this is a theory on who created the cauldron. Now, I love this one Ooh. because I think it's it's interesting. So we know SJM loves pulling from real mythology. In Crescent City, we learn about the Asteri being cruel beings who feed on first and second light that they steal from their subjects. We know that they corrupted other worlds before coming to Crescent City. Now, in Akatar, we learned of the Daglin, who ruled Perinthia and consumed magic. Sounds familiar, like we just what talked about. What did this come about? Because I cannot remember. The Daglin and Silver Flames. Of course, the Silver Flames. It's the one that I like barely paid attention to. Well, that's not what? the part I paid attention to. So <laughs> that's, you didn't. That's for damn. Read sure. about the Daglin while holding on to your headboard. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was busy doing other things, ma'am. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that sounds familiar. So the Daglin might be mate. So the Daglin might be based on the Irish myth of the Daga. The Daga is an Irish god who had magical bottomless cauldron and a magical harp. You don't say. Interesting. So could it be the Asiri who created the cauldron and made the worlds? Did the cauldron take something from them? Perhaps why their own magic is rumored but never shown. Making them have an endless hunger for magic. But wait, there's more. The Daga were slayed in battle. Now, God help me on this Irish name. It looks like Kethlen. C-E-T-H-L-E-N-N. Kethlen? Kethlen. Okay, what you need to know about that is that it loosely translates to the Fairy Palace and the Rowan Tree Palace. Hmm. Hmm. Now, who is the Fairy Queen who is married to Rowan? None other than Aelin Ashriver. Aelin Galathinius. Yes, Aelin Whitehorn. Aelin Ashriver Whitehorn Galathinius. Is she going to be the one to kill the Asteri? Did she gain back her power after the world the word locks on her power by broken were broken open by Bryce opening the gate? So did she get all her power back? And now she's like, I'm here to play bitches. Who do you need to kill? Who needs a fire breathing bitch queen? I do. I do. I do too. Bro, she is my favorite. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Cannot wait. So I thought this was really interesting that the cauldron was created by the Asteri and sucked their magic from them, which is why they are constantly having to consume it by other people and why the cauldron has this crazy intensity power to it that no one can quite really explain. What well, uh, does it? Why did they need to create the cauldron? I don't know. But they did. But I thought the mother had created the cauldron. But who knows exactly what the mother is? 
the mother is someone who made something, right? Anyone who makes something could be the mother of said object. Well, that is a very good point. I feel like somebody said, I wish I would write these down, that the cauldron had word marks on it. It did. It did. I saw that. I think it was on one of these that I saw. But yes, there are word marks on it as well. Okay. So who knows? Maybe the word marks are an ancient Assyri Daglin. What's the other name? Alphabet? Yes. But what is the Assyri Daglin? Who are the other ones? Flags. The Val, yes. Val. 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 The Val. I'm like, I'm missing a someone. So they're maybe like this Vlad. is their own language. And they're like, we're going to create this thing and write all this stuff on it. But typo on the word marks. And we create this stupor, like, crazy cauldron. So something, something to okay. chew on there. It's kind of like, in my head, I'm going like, what came first, the chicken or egg? Like, did the stereo come first or did the cauldron come first? And the stereo tried to steal the magic from the cauldron and it backfired and sucked all of their magic out. That's true. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Because that assumes that it was already in existence. And they're like, oh, delicious, a little powerful nugget. And then it backfired on them. Because if you think about it, the Asteri have already admitted in to Bryce that they don't remember where they came from, but they go from planet to planet, sucking the magic out of it and trying to like rebreathe these fays and other beings. But someone had to create this dairy. And they wouldn't need to go and conquer all these places if they had created it themselves. And if we're saying the cauldron was created by the mother and the source of all magic, I'm, I'm going with the whole Asari tried to do something with the cauldron and it backfired and sucked their magic out and now uses it as a funnel to do whatever was going on in Perinthian. Because I don't believe that Steri created the entire universe. There's something else out there mm-hmm. that did. Because if that was the case, like I said, they wouldn't try to be conquered. It would be theirs. That's true. That's a good mm. point. I, I flip-flop back and forth. I'm like, ooh, this one's good. I'm like, ooh, but you make a good point. I have no loyalties to these theories. I'm like, all, all of them. Because they're all so good. <laughs> they're all so good. All of them could be true in some way, shape, or form. So here's one. Hilda, do you have any thoughts before we move on on that one? I'm not going to lie. These go a little bit too deep for me. And I'm feeling a little existential. <laughs> okay. Well, here's one where you don't have to think too deeply on because there is no evidence to back it up. This is just a straight up theory. I saw oh, these it are my and favorite. I loved it just for the pure chaos that it brought to my mind. This comes from the.caro.show. The theory is that the king of Highburn is actually Holland Havillard. Dorian's younger brother, the <gasps> spoiled little king who they said should never rule. Oh, I like this one. Isn't that a good one? That is a good one. I know. She has no evidence. There was no evidence to support this, but I was just like, I was about ah. to say, do we know what their brother descriptions are? We don't know what happened to him. So this is, because I, I deep dove into this. I'm like, someone else has got to have some supporting evidence for this. We don't know what happened to Holland. Remember Knox? was a character, one of her fellow assassins that we're training against. We don't know what happens to him. So is there more to that story we will see come back around again? Interesting. Interesting, yes. Bridget looks like she's taken to the internets to continue researching. She is, she's like, she what is, happened? She the, the obsession starts now. She's going to the Throne of Glass wiki. Yep. You know I am. 
Okay, I'll give you guys pick which one you want to hear next because both of them are long. Both of them I got to read from TikTok. They're both from the same person. The, one of the theory is Aelin, Nesta, Bryce, and the secret of the eight-pointed star or Gwen, the evil twin theory. Uh, The Nesta, Aelin, mm-hmm. Vera one. Bridget, mm-hmm. you picked that one? Yeah. Here comes this theory. It's a long one. Buckle up. Uh, she also has supporting passages text that I'm not going to read because just know that it exists. It's a lot. Ayla, Nesta, Bryce, and the secret of the eight-pointed star. Here's the theory. In Empire of Storms, Aelin is wearing a word mark around her neck. Because of this, the temporary gate is opened inside of her, allowing Deanna to possess her body. Within the Throne of Glass world, Deanna is a god. When Aelin attends a religious service to honor the gods, it is noted that the high priestesses bear the markings of an eight-pointed star above her brow. Now, in the Akatar world, it has been widely speculated that the cauldron with its three magical legs, also made of the word marks we just talked about. Items are dipped into the cauldron, such as the dead trove, also appear to take on similar properties to the word marks. So just like Aelin in the word key, when Nesta uses the dead trove items, a godlike being appears to possess Nesta. And Nesta also bore a tattoo of the eight-pointed star, the symbol of the gods. Many believe that the fourth dread trove item is the horn in Crescent City world. The mm-hmm. horn is embedded onto Bryce's back, just like the word key, and it allows Bryce to open doors to other worlds. When the horn is repaired, Bryce also gained the same markings of the eight-pointed star on her chest. It appears that the word keys and the dead trove, including the horn, allow gods or higher beings to possess the bodies of those wielding them. However, unlike Aelin or Nesta, who can remove their access to these items, Bryce is stuck with the horn permanently inked on her back. In the final chapters of CC2, when Bryce reaches the Asteri Palace, it is said that an eye opens up within her soul and snarls. It begs the question, is there someone inside Bryce as well? After the horn is healed and Bryce is racing to save the humans, the prime of the wolves looks at Bryce and refers to her as a wolf. I thought of you on this one, Bridget. A true wolf. He points to his heart and he says a true wolf. Similarly, when Bryce meets the prime again in CC2, he once again to her, refers to her as a true a wolf, and taps his chest, his heart. But the Prime isn't referring to Bryce. He's referring to Danica, her best friend, the one who is always in her heart, literally. Danica told Baxian that she was trying to find a way into a new world, but she also knew she was going to die before this could happen. Perhaps then it's not coincidence that Danica inked the horn on Bryce's back, creating a gate inside of Bryce, one that Danica could enter, even after death, should she need it. Danica inked the horn in the language of universes, a.k.a. the word marks. She also spelled out the phrase, through love all is possible. When Apaxia asks Bryce about the phrase on her back, Bryce explains to her that it means that she and her best friend will never be parted. Danica says the same thing to herself, that even if Bryce cannot see her, she will always be there. Theory goes on to say, I don't think these are just pretty words. Through the horn, a gate into Bryce's soul, Danica's own soul resides. This is why... After the horn was healed, Bryce was able to do the drop. The drop is a descent into one's soul, and when Bryce went into her soul, she found Danica there. Now, when asked how this could be possible, how Bryce could make the drop with a deceased Danica, the only explanation given was, through love all is possible. My best friend and I will never be parted. But this raises an interesting question. Can a deceased or otherworldly being enter Bryce through the horn? Or is Danica someone important? Given the theme of reincarnation in the SJM universe, is it possible that Danica was once a god or 
a higher being herself. The name Danica means morning star, otherwise known as Sirius. In the Crescent City world, Sirius was a seventh and long-deceased Asteri, also known as the Wolf Star. Within various strains of mythology, shut the fuck up. Danica, also known <laughs> as the goddess of dusk. Danica's search no. for dusk's oh truth. <laughs> the horn given to Bryce by Danica is a beacon for Perinthian, for the dusk court. The dusk court, the prison island with the same marking of the eight-pointed star, the symbol of the starborn fae, and the symbol of the gods. Holy fucking shit. That was a good one, right? That's like the best one I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. This is by Emily's Theories. Now, she does such a beautiful job. All of hers I have to read she directly from She does the slideshows, right? It's a slideshow. That was 25 slides <laughs> that I just read. There's a few more of those, so we can we can talk about more about those. But, man, I thought that one was good. Wow. I believe it. That would actually tie everything together perfectly. And then, well, of course, once again, truth bomb drop for Danica Danica. God damn, this woman never goes away. I know. I know. And I think because it's important that we know who her father is and who her mother is, but there's – they talked about reincarnation, which I think could be really interesting to look at. Hold on. Just an aside really quickly. Tangent. One of the questions that um, on Spotify that nobody has answered yet is, how do you think Sabine and Mordok got together? Let us know. Okay, continue. So – when the Prime was talking about how the wolves came under the Seri and they started bowing down to them and the Prime specifically said like they were more than what they are now and that was what Danica was trying to find the entire time like where her like original powers came from what the truth of her people so she could very well be like another being and it's like just for me when I was reading this time. and I saw the star's name is Sirius. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Sirius. Sirius. And it is also the wolf star. I was like, oh, goosebumps. Like, that's good. That's deep because we don't know what happened to that one. That is the missing Asteri. We don't know if he was killed because he maybe felt remorse for what he did to all these people. Yeah, like, was it the bad guy out of all their siblings? Which makes me think, when did the Prime start calling her a wolf? It was when she ran to defend the humans, I believe. But she didn't make the drop then. She made the drop shortly, maybe like, I don't know, an hour later in their time. Right. So he already had called her a wolf before the drop happened. And we're saying that Danica's soul got embedded into her during the drop because that's when she had used. Her soul was already there through the word marks. She through just the horn. met her there. Interesting. She found her. Founder. It's a good one. It is a really a good theory. Good one. I'm gonna do a short one, and then we'll go back to another Emily's theories, which is another good one. And this one, I think uh, Hilda, you remember, is talks about Hunt's father, Jessica's true identity, and the Thunderbirds. So hold on tight for that one. We'll do this one. Uh, this comes from a court of thorns and Rosie. Also love her. I love her. She's, she brings the pages. She's got the books. I love it. This theory is about the queen of many names. So Aelin is called the queen, wait for it, of flame and shadow. Mm -hmm. Coincidentally, the name of the next book. 
But she also has a ton of other aliases that she goes by. The next, obviously the next book title. We know that Deck and the rest of the Frack Pat are the only ones left. And they have seen what has happened to Bryce going through the gate and their people are captured. So who are they going to call? They're going to call Jessica. Ghostbusters. <laughs> Close. <laughs> it's Jessica. <laughs> So they're going to call Jessica for help. And what does Jessica have access to? A book of a lot of li- uh, libraries with lots of books on ancient things that are banned. So when they go into her library and probably right next to the book of breathings, because she has that too, is the queen of many names, presumably talking about all of Galen, uh, Galen, all of Aelin's triumphs during that time. Also, who will they have on their team? The mystic, the wolf mystic that Ethan saved. Who has conveniently walked to other worlds Why she's doing her mysticness? So do it's conceivably possible then that the mystic has visited and found and observed Aelin in her world doing her thing. So when they realize we need this queen of many names, she has the power to take down the Asteri. She's like, oh, I know a girl. And she just wolf walks, mystic walks right on over to find them because she has presumably met them before. Interesting. Yeah. I thought that was interesting so, too. So I did want to point this out. Another book that apparently Jessica has is The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. which is from Throne of Glass. Oh, is it? I mean, besides mm-hmm. that AMC theory show that mm-hmm. we watched for years. Interesting, because that could talk about reincarnation as well, which then supports the theory we just heard about Danica being serious and coming back. I really and need to reread Throne of Glass. I know. That's me what too. I'm thinking. <laughs> we got we gotta get on that. I think I need to reread Silver Flames, CC one, two, and Throne of Glass. That's a lot of books. Holy shit. I'm not gonna be able to do that before January. All right, so let me bring you to this next one. Since we talked about the library aficionado, the library host of many books that are very banned. Let's the talk- library of Parthos. Parthos. All right, so Hunt's father, Jessica's true identity, and the secret of the Thunderbirds. Buckle up. During Crescent City 2, it was revealed that Hunt was bred. Given Apollyon's wealth of information on this topic, it is logical to assume that Apollyon was involved in Hunt's breeding. But how exactly did Apollyon breed Hunt, and for what purposes? Interestingly, we have already met some of, of Apollyon's creations. The most famous of these is the Crystallis Demon. To breed the Crystallis Demon, Apollyon used Prince Peleus's blood, the first starborn prince, that he obtained after killing Peleus on the battlefield. Then he mixed in his own essence. Ew. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and as such, the Crystallis Demon is said to be a mix between the light, Prince Peleus and his starborn powers, and the dark, Apollyon's dark essence. This is why the coloring of the Crystallis is gray. The collision between the light and the dark, white and black, is gray whose wings are also uniquely gray, Hunt Athelars. Thus, she believes Hunt was bred by Apollyon in the same way. He was created using Prince Peleus's blood, Apollyon's essence, and an angel mother. This means that Hunt's genetic makeup comprises of two men, so technically two fathers. As crazy as it may seem, this aligns with some fan observations that the CC2 cover depicting Hunt is actually two men. And then the two different colored eyes, so remember, it's like a split down the mm-hmm. middle of his face. The two color eyes perfectly explain Hunt's powers and abilities. It is said that Hunt was bred to be receptive to demons and beings from hell. If Hunt was bred using Apollyon's essence, you know, I really take issue with the fact she keeps saying, like, essence in this. It's just gross. I mean, where was she going to write jizz? I, mean, I, <laughs> <where was she? laughs> I 
you know, it's like there's there's not a better word, but I guess his sperm, his DNA would have sufficed, you know. Oh, DNA. Okay, that's. A I good like one. that some people say hair essence and then immediately think it's like sperm. What versus... else would it be? I don't know. It's magic. It could be anything. But, you know, it was like his jizz. <laughs> All right, so if Hunt was bred using Apollyon's essence, then the phrase, like calls to like, applies here. To tag on to this, she also believes that Apollyon has two additional names. The first is Anelius, the first Aurelian, the first Illyrian. We know that many thousand years ago, Apollyon and Prince Pallas fought for three days. This aligns with Anelius, who fought the oppressors of Perinthian on top of Ramiel for three days. Going back to the theory where the same things happen and everyone has different names. Oh. Apollyon as Anelius, the first Aurelian, the first Illyrian. I've never struggled with this word until today. Apollyon as Anelius, the first Illyrian, makes sense because Apollyon has the exact same Illyrian wings. We also know that Anelius slash Apollyon fought the oppressors of Perinthian, which sounds just like the Assyri. And who allied with the Asteri? Prince Peleus. She has a diagram to explain. However, we also know that Ramiel, where Apollyon and Peleus fought, is heavily associated with lightning and thunder. For example, when Nesta completes the blood rite, an mm-hmm. event to honor Anelius, lightning and thunder is repeatedly mentioned. It is, because I remember thinking, like, this seems too strong to just be a random, like, scene setter in the background. In fact, Ramiel appears to be named after after the biblical angel Ramiel. Ramiel was a fallen angel of lightning and thunder. Thus, I believe Apollyon is also Thur. After all, when Bryce meets Apollyon in the dream world, she notes storms in Apollyon's eyes. And when Hunt annoys Apollyon, thunder also starts to grumble. In summary, Apollyon is the same person as Anelius, is the same person as Thur. They are all the same person. And... As Hunt was bred with Apollyon's DNA, this explains why his lightning powers and his connection to Thur. Which, remember, Bryce was like, oh, that looks exactly like you. Yeah, like the statue. statue. Of her. In another portion of Hunt's DNA also came from Pin- Prince Peleus. This explains why Rune says Bryce and Hunt were mates in the Fey way. Because Prince Peleus was Fey. It also explains why Bryce's star, which glows from those from Perinthian, glows for Hunt because Prince Peleus comes from Perinthian. It also said that Bryce and Hunt's magic is very similar, and when Hunt's power first reacts to Bryce's power, it likens it to seeing itself in a mirror, which would make sense if both Bryce and Hunt have starborn blood. Or perhaps it has something to do with the horn. Prince Peleus' blood contains the essence of the horn, and that's how the Crystallis is able to track the horn. If Hunt if Hunt has Prince Peleus' blood containing remnants of the horn's power and Bryce is the horn, then that could explain the similarities as well. This leads me to the Thunderbirds. She believes that they were bred by Apollyon in the exact same way that Hunt was. Peleus' blood plus Apollyon's essence, jizz, whatever we're going to call that. <laughs> However, whereas Hunt was bred to be an angel, the Thunderbirds are the shifter versions as Sophie can, sh- Sophie can shift in and out of her Thunderbird fur- form. Because when you take Peleus' blood, which is both Starborn power as well as the remnants of the horn power, and mix it with Apollyon's essence, the lightning power that can charge up the horn, what do you get? Magical beings who can open up portals between worlds. That's the secret of the Thunderbirds. 
That's why Danica worked with Sophie, a Thunderbird, because Danica was also looking for a way into a new world. And the Thunderbird power, of which Danica had theories about, would have allowed for that. However, sorry. Well, there's more. This is where Project Thur was all about, breeding people in Midgard to open up portals and the gates, likely orchestrated by Apollyon slash Thur, who made it clear that he too wants to open the gates. Danica also sends Sophie an email entitled Project Thur, which Sophie believes is a long shot, but sounds like opening up other gates to products to uh, portals to other worlds. Sophie also says that the Asiri would kill her for it if she used her powers to open up portals to other worlds. This perfectly explains why the Asiri hunted down the Thunderbirds and why they consider them a threat. It means the people of Midgard could escape through these portals and the Asiri would lose their food source. But knowing that Hunt has the same power, perhaps is how he, Rune, and Baxian were escape the Asiri's dungeons and will join Bryce in Perinthian. All of this is true. If all of this is true, it leaves one final question. As Jessica knew Hunt's father best, who exactly is Jessica? This is, I love this one because this ties nicely into the other one, which is also short. So, so Jessica is Helena, Thea's second daughter. This explains why Jessica looked like she had seen a ghost when she beheld Bryce's starborn light. Why Jessica protects Parthos, the Parthos books, which contain the truth about Thea. Why she watches over Bryce, Thea's descendant. Why Bryce notices that the townhouse in Perinthian and Jessica's gallery are decorated in the same way. Helena lived in Perinthian. And why she's so close with Adis. Why she's so close with Adis because he is her stepfather. Further, as Therian and Hypaxia's bonus chapter goes into great detail about necromancy, she believes that Jessica slash Helena was brought back to life using this method. This explains why Jessica is only 400, but clearly existed for longer than that. It also explains why Jessica doesn't have Helena's night black hair because she is not in her original body. And as SJM often described Jessica as having a reaper's voice belongs to those who have already died. This makes perfect sense. And who was Helena married to? Prince Peleus, Hunt's father. Theory. So there's a lot to unpack there. One, this goes I'm back confused. to the theory. <laughs> this goes back. There's a lot to unpack there, so let's break it up. So one, this goes back to the theory that Hunt is other and was specifically mm-hmm. bred for a cause. This also correlates to what we had said previously, where we think the same things are happening in these different books, Throne of Glass, Akatar, and Crescent City, but everyone has a different name for the same thing that happened. Mm-hmm. So in that theory, we then learn that Jessica knew Hunt's father and is a reincarnation, another elude, another... She tell Helena brought back to life. Right, another nod to The Walking Dead, which you just mentioned. Wait, wait. Who's Elena again? One of Thea's daughters. And who's Thea again? Thea's a starborn queen who was originally married to Peleus. Okay, we learned about that in Crescent City. But Adis, yeah, but Adis was in love with her. Okay, I remember this. Okay. I was just, like thought I was in Akatar and I was like, I don't know anybody from Akatar with that name. I couldn't remember. Okay. It's a long one. That one was 31 slides. So if you're like, what the heck did Caitlin just read to me? I encourage you to go check it out on Emily's theories. But I thought no, it was super interesting because that explains why why Hunt is the way he is and he's different. Why Jessica is someone who is very mysterious to us and we don't have a lot of 
There's a lot of unknowns about her, but why does she have so much information that she's guarding? And why she seems to get away with it for Micah. Like Micah clearly knows she has this library and just lets her have it. So lots to unpack with that one. Again, I think it's another good one. So we'll have to wait and see. Now this, I will end with us here on our final theory of the night, which ties back to our good friends, Jessiba and Thea. This one also comes from a court of thorns and Rosie. And this theory is, are the stars above Ramiel actually stars? So in several instances, there are times we think we see stars that are actually spirits. Reese confirms this during Starfall when he says like, oh, these are spirits passing on. And Sarah herself confirms this, that the red star blasting across the sky. Um, and I forget which book in Akatar this is, but there's a red scar, the red star. Going it's in Silver Flames. Yes, I thought it was before that. Before all the shit goes down. Correct. The big battle at the end. Uh, it's taken as a bad omen. So SJM confirmed that that's actually Aelin flying through the worlds in Kingdom of Ash. So a court of thorns and Rosie believes that she thinks the three stars are the spirits of Thea and her two starborn daughters checking in to see if the prophecy is complete. And remember, the prophecy is when knife and sword are reunited, so shall our people be. Based on the timeline when Bryce comes into Perinthian, the blood rite would have been in three months. So are the store, the stars, but they're not there normally. They only appear in the blood rite. Actually, the spirits of Thea and her two daughters coming back to see if the prophecy has been revealed and that the swords are united. And if so, if that's Jessiba coming in with her mama dukes to be like, ah, yes, we can now roll in this epic battle. That's I need that's it to be January there. 30th already. Yeah. Now I'm just like anxious. Like I need to know things. I know. Maybe this, maybe this didn't help, but I thought there's, there's a lot of to chew on with these, some of theories. So, I really liked the previous theory, and I know I didn't say a lot because I think I was just in shock and me processing. Too. It all makes it makes a lot of sense. They all make sense. It makes it makes so much sense that I will be disappointed if that is not the truth. So if Helena, I'm still stuck on Helena. So if she is Jessica, she's also Hunt's mommy. No, see, I got it all wrong. No, Hunt's mom is still Hunt's mom. Like a random but, angel, I think. But he was bred, so it used Peleus's blood and Apollyon's essence. And, and she was like the surrogate host to breed She this was thing. the vessel. The vessel. Not Jessica, the mom. Yeah. The mom, yes. But what she says, because um, remember, Jessica was supposedly a witch that left House of Earth and Blood, and she aligned herself with the House of Flame and Shadow. So it would make sense if she came back via some type of necromancer. And so... They would not accept her in House of Blood. What is it? House of Earth Earth and and Blood. So she... So if she is carrying Helena's spirit in a different body, it makes sense why she knows... Adis, Apollyon, all those dudes. Because Adis would have been her stepfather. Ah, okay. There was a connection. Gotcha. And why she so closely and fiercely protects Bryce Mm -hmm. and reveres the power that she saw in her. Yeah, because Bryce would be like her great niece or something. Interesting. And like I said, for every one that I read, there was probably a thousand more that we didn't get to. But I thought that these were some of the deeper cuts that uh we should 
consider as we get into the final not the final, because I think there's a couple more books planned for these things. But as we get into the next installment of these series and these worlds, we'll see what is its store, what starts to pan out, and if any of these theories we talked about makes sense. So, so go ahead. Sorry. One theory you did not talk about, um, which I know we've briefly discussed, is that Rune's mother is Reese's sister. Yes. So I'm glad... You mentioned that. I was going to save it for another one because I can go on a whole tangent about this. Let's make that the last one. and then All right, I'll make this the last one. So I'm going to do this one from memory. Um, there's a couple theories I've seen, so I'm going to kind of schlub them together into this one. Um, actually, I think I have a note on one of actually, these. Actually, so the Starlight Pool in Spring Court that Vera and Tamlin take a dip in is actually a portal. And I guess theory goes that when Tamlin's father ordered the killing of Reese's mother and sister Tamlin was actually able to help his sister escape and so Lauren I guess the sister ends up in Midgard and so she ends up breeding with the Autumn King and that's how you end up with Rune with Rune that's and that's why Rune and Reese look so similar Mm-hmm. That's essentially like the theory in a nutshell. Yes, the Tamlin okay. didn't act, and that's why they never found the wings. Right. Part of the reason why they never found the wings. Right. So the other one I had seen kind of deep dives into the back ends of that, where both because we know Tamlin does not have when we see him, he doesn't have access to this great power. Like he doesn't fully get it, and we don't know the depth of what he can do. And so it's believed that he's very strong at glamours, and that he can open these portals and bring someone away. So. Because he was very good friends with Reese, when his father ordered the killings of his mother and sister, um, Tamlin sought to help them by ushering them away. And they had to spin the lie to his parents that they were killed. So Reese uses his Demati powers to put into the minds of people that they would have seen their heads in a basket because no one actually really confirms that. And his dad flies into a rage and attacks the, the spring court. Now, the theory goes that Tamlin knew this was going down, which is why Tamlin stayed in his room because he's a fae. He would have heard all of this going down. Stayed in his room unharmed Why Reese and his dad attacked Spring Court. Reese held his – whatever the battle pans out where it ends up where Tamlin's dad died and Reese's dad died. Tamlin's fa- uh, dad and older brother died and Reese's dad died. And now this was all actually planned by Reese and Tamlin to get rid of these troublesome – high lords, and left them able to rise unopposed. That is how the theory goes. So it was not just that he ushered them away, but yes, they did talk about the Starlight Pool, but that this was actually something that was planned. Um, But Tamlin doesn't know how to get back to that portal or open it up again or how to get them back out. So Interesting. There we go. Okay. Now there's a whole host of other theories where the Avalanian Fae in Crescent City are actually Fae from Printhia, Dust Court. There's a ton of those as well. So if you have a good theory that you'd like to share with us, please find us on TikTok or Instagram, wherever these theories are being had. Send them over to us. We'd love to talk about them again. We'll probably do another episode on Unhinged Theories before House of Flame and Shadow is released. Now, before I'm we still go, thinking about like the theory from two theories ago. <laughs> Which one? Helena. Oh, that's I'm a good so one. confused. I can just tell Bridget's brain is fried. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm like- going to tag you guys in the notes now that you have heard all these. You can go back and reread. 
beautiful. Yes. So you guys will have access to all of that. And maybe we'll put these in the show notes so you guys have access to all the creators. You can find them and a quick summary of all the theories as well. Now, we'd love to know from you, did we cover – what are the theory the, of the theories we talked about in this episode, which ones do you think are the most plausible? Which one do you think explain a lot? Would love to know your thoughts and feelings. Is there one you're like, absolutely, Fury is not the mercenary in the beginning. Y'all are crazy. Or is it – that Reese's sister is actually Rune's mom. And Tamlin set it all up for them. Would love to know what you guys think. So drop us a DM. You know how to find us on booktalkmademe underscore pod. And let us know what you think. We'll have this question up on Spotify as well for all our Spotify mm-hmm. users. And we'll leave you. We'll leave you with that. I think We'll leave you with your brain fried. I think my favorite one is still talks. that the King of Highburn is Holland Havillard. I just love that. Again, for the chaos. For the chaos, yes. I think my overall favorite would be the one with the eight-point star and the three, like, fey woman. Uh, yes. The and, Danica is... And Danica keeps fucking showing up. <laughs> She's truly the mastermind behind this all. Yeah, I thought Aelin was, like, a badass. No, apparently clearly it's Danica, Danica is gonna outwin her. Uh, I also love, and I'll bring you back to Emily's theories again. She has a great theory. I'll send it to you guys after this is Gwen's evil twin theory, hmm. which is very interesting. Not sure how true it is. I feel like this one of all hers are a little bit more of a stretch, but very interesting nonetheless, so we can talk about it um, amongst ourselves and amongst you when you guys look at it too. All right, that is it from us tonight. We hope you guys enjoyed, and we'll catch you back for what are we reading next? Uh, we are doing... A Soul of Ash and Blood, book five in the From Blood and Ash series. Yes, which I am struggling a bit to get through, so. It's okay. I haven't downloaded it yet, so you're okay. fine. <laughs> Bridge, you're, you're leading. I got you guys. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, you know my thoughts and takes on these ones when it's like a retelling of something I've already read. That's a little bit of a struggle for yeah. me. Look at you it actually- beyond the veil. <laughs> You can skip quite a bit. You I can. Think. I think so, too. Uh, but we'll see you next as we cover that book, which Bridget will get on. <laughs> Lead us through. That's uh, my homework. Yes. All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.